listening to Red Button here on Colm Radio 106.6 FM. Red Button, late night conversation over a dipple or two. Comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. Hello, and welcome to Box 39 Red Button, our later evening conversation show coming live from Studio One here at Colne Radio Towers 106.6 FM. And I'm Bill Lawrence. Now, on this edition of Red Button, we are being introduced to five guests, by, uh, five gifts, rather, by my special guest for the show, the world explorer, the Renaissance Essex man, David Nash. And these gifts are things that, in his life, David has found to have enhanced his life, or made things better, or just been notable. And in turn, David feels that we would all benefit by being introduced to them. Now, these things... These gifts can be anything. In fact, they don't even have to be physical possessions. Though that may be the case, they can be ideas, beliefs, even feelings. And in return, at the end of the show, I will introduce David to a gift of my own. So, welcome, David. Good evening, Bill. How are you? I am very well, and it's lovely to have you here, you. all the way up here. I know there's a lot of steps to uh, climb up, um, but because the lift isn't working tonight. But So, it's That's good right. to have you up here. Thank Thanks. you very much. Good to now, you. let's crack on. Okay. The first choice, the first gift, it's a word uh, spelled I-N-J-E-R-A, injera. Yeah, injera, injera bread. Injera yeah. bread. So, uh, I discovered this when I was in Ethiopia, and it was kind of became my only consistent friend, because Ethiopian food's very um, kind of curry spice based like like indian food bangladeshi food um and and you would have this bread uh, on a plate uh, with, with bits around it a bit like um you know turkish cuisine mm-hmm. and you'd never know quite what you're going to get you know was it going to be over spicy was it going to be nice what's in it um yeah. but anyway this injera bread uh, i thought was just, just absolutely lovely and it's a sour 
fermented like pancake like a, yeah. um yes yeah, it's, it's like a so it's savory. not very thick not very thick. no no it's thin like a savory pancake yeah um, yeah and and almost the top looks like a crumpet you know with the holes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah yeah um and um and it's made of of teff flour and it it has a almost lime like flavor to it Lime, lime, and spongy. Right. Uh, even though okay. there isn't any lime in it, and I thought it was just just lovely. And I'd never heard of it before going to Ethiopia. So, like we all do, like when we buy that bottle of booze from from a country and it sits in our cabinet. Yeah. Well, I have said Tef flour in my cupboard. It's been in there now for for two and a half years right. uh, because I think the fermentation process takes about seventy two hours, and I've never <laughs> had the inclination on a Tuesday. Tuesday to get something ready for a, for a Friday uh, Friday curry. Um, so I've never made it since. But it's interesting because you know in England we all, we all have our, our curries, don't we? And our takeaway yeah. curries. Um, and and but you know this is not a readily available. So is anywhere. it is it a bit like a chapati or a very thin naan bread or? It's it's as I said more of a spongy taste than a than a bread, so more pancakey. Um, yeah, like, like a thick. I know in, in in France they do them thin on those flat things, that, but the, the savoury pancakes. But like like a thin crumpet with a, a lime spongy taste. Okay, but so you'd hold that in one hand and you'd ladle curry or something onto it, and then it, you yeah? dip it in all, all the various yeah. different. Yeah. You might have red lentils, yellow lentils. Yeah, uh, I mean I didn't know what I was eating half the time. Yeah, uh, and and you, it became my staple at breakfast as well because Ooh. you know in, in lots of parts of the world they don't have this idea of cereal like we have um they they have dinner for breakfast dinner and tea so (laughs) you you don't want a spice for for breakfast so i knew where i was with just a little bit of injera bread and a very very strong ethiopian cup cup of coffee so so, so uh, ethiopian food would be very spicy uh, well, well, hit and miss, but yeah, I, I didn't know. You know, I said you got it in lots of different dishes, so one would be absolutely lovely. And then you have the next one that burns the roof off your mouth. But, yeah. but I, I, you know, I was convinced when I got home I was going to make loads of this stuff. But I don't know if you ever find, Bill, that, that you... Um, it's like trying to create takeaway food. Yeah. You just can't it's do difficult. it. It's very difficult. You just very can't difficult. get the Chinese as good as the Chinese no. can do it. You can't get the Indian you cook in your own pan as good as that takeaway. No, that's right. That's um, right. So, so maybe it's been a good idea that you haven't got this teff flour out and made something because it might have sort of broken the the magic of your experience of uh, injera bread. Yeah, and bread's tricky to make. Uh, apart from people who can make bread, you go no, 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 it's easy. <laughs> but but I find it yes. just lots of flour and yes. mess. Oh yeah, usually, full, respect to, full respect to full respect to bread, bread make. makers. Yeah, Absolutely. I think we call them bakers. I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think they have become known as that yeah. in recent years. Okay, well, with full respect, we'll also give to a band, a local band, and a very local friend of the show, um, Martin Newell's band, The Cleaners from Venus, and this is The Beautiful Stoned.
you haunt yourself forever return The indifference of the window panes While you wander through the twilight lanes You recall what was said By the voices which pervade your head As a traveller returned at last Button, where warm and hairy speech knobs rest gently in our moist conversation spoons. And our speech conversation spoons turn to, in this edition of Red Button, turn to my guest once more, to David Nash, who's introducing us to things that will make our lives better. Now, we've had some bread, uh, but to go with the bread, uh, David, you're introducing us to some wine. Yeah, well, I think it's the best wine in the world. It's not French, not the Italians, not the Spanish, Argentinians. No, it's Georgian wine. Georgian? From Georgia? Georgia. Georgia's a really underrated country, really safe, really cheap, and you, and, and you should go there. And when I went there, um, of course, you've, you've got to try a glass or two of, of the local stuff. And this red wine was just consistently the best wine I've ever had. I went into the supermarket and you could do wine tasting down the corridor, <laughs> uh, down, the, the, down the aisle. And, uh, and I mean, imagine that in Tesco's. Uh, yes, it would be difficult to imagine tasting. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I walked down the aisle several times. Uh, they sell it at the side of the road in, in um, you know, just plastic well, water bottles. And every drop of this stuff I had. But I, one thing I couldn't figure out, because it was so nice that I drank rather a lot of it, probably edging towards the you know, best part of two bottles a, a day. Um, and I felt fine every morning. <laughs> and, and apparently it's because the, the Georgians brew their wine, brew their wine, <laughs> make their wine, ferment their wine, whatever the winery term is. But, but it's, it's an older method even than the French. It dates back apparently 8,000 years and they, they store um, they, they use earthenware vessels to ferment and, and age the wine right. and these are buried underground which allow for slower it's a bit like bread mating I don't understand it slower fermentation um, but it doesn't influence the taste like an oak barrel would um, and the yeah. skins are left on the grapes the seeds are all left in uh, which produces a more amber coloured um, white wine as opposed to traditional white uh, wine but but what happens this is a bit about the hangover the natural tannins produced um uh, it allows georgian wines to be free of any additives and human chemicals to preserve the wine so um, this is the oldest wine in the world oldest wine in the world and doesn't give you a hangover doesn't give you, i mean it's win-win yeah uh, and yeah. Um, did you drink white wine and red wine i drank both yeah uh and uh, and i went to uh it's to a, a little village called uh, Singali, S-I-N-G. H, uh, sorry, S-I-G-H-N-A-G-H-I, Signigal it might be, um, and uh, just a perfect little, you know, we can all imagine those old hilltop villages, yeah, yeah. beautiful uh, Caucasus mountains, snow-capped in the background, and I went to um, a, 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 a winery there, um, which was run by a British guy. Right. And he moved out there. He was interested in wine and he moved out there. Beautiful place. And uh, you can buy it in England. It's about 25 quid a bottle. It's called Pheasant's Tears. Um, right. So you can, you, it is imported. So they do export this wine, do they? They do. 
um, and you can get it. Now, this is a disappointing thing that, that I actually ordered. I found a similar label to what yeah. one I really liked out there. Uh, £20, £25. It wasn't, uh, you know, maybe it's our holiday thing, but it wasn't yeah, as good when I had it yeah, at Christmas yeah. here. And of course, for twenty twenty five pound here, you, you want it to taste taste yeah, good. Yeah, that's like five bottles of wine that I'd buy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or ten bottles of cider you'd buy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. They mainly export to Russia. Um, yes, because Georgia, just to make it clear, Georgia was in the old Soviet Union, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's the birthplace of Stalin. Um, yeah. Where his famous uh, green carriage um, is. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it, it produces, it, it exports less to Russia now for, for obvious reasons. So more is coming to, to Britain. Okay. But it's worth, it's <clears throat> absolutely worth a, a try. Um, I made a mistake one night because, you know, you can't just sit there and drink, drink two bottles of wine without having, <laughs> having some food. So I thought, well, cheese is the obvious thing. Yeah. So I went out and pointed at some cheese, and nobody really um, spoke spoke English. So I pointed, and they put it in, you know, those plastic containers where they yeah. weigh it afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know quite what you, you know. In England, you can say oh, up to three pound. Um, but I ordered thirty pounds worth of cheese, <laughs> and that's a lot of cheese in England. You take thirty pounds to Georgia, and uh, that's an awful lot of cheese to get through. That's a, a donkey days. load. Yeah, and of course, being British, you don't go, "Oh, whoops, sorry, I've made a mistake." Instead, you know, I paid up with pride, and um, you know, had the perfect accompaniment to, to, yeah. to the beautiful red and wine. And those Georgian cheese salesmen have never forgotten you. No, well, they still talk about it. I'm in folklore to this day. Children's <laughs> stories have been made of it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, with our cheese and wine and our bread that you've introduced us to us, let's, uh, let's indulge ourselves in the taste of those while we listen to this from Ian Jury's son, Baxter Jury, and Celebrate Me. He's a brave man eating hummus in the morning Breakfast in pasta, leisure seeking honey Sucker living on the Thames with his dream boat Honey, big man laughing And I cry and I cry and I cry when I see you bababoo And you shiver, shiver, shiver And I shiver too, I shiver with you I shiver with you you were the bravest of them all In the art of the storm The artful tower The pain that shine And all those mistakes I'm drowning in these urine lakes Big Bag of Onions, every week on Tuesday at 8 p.m. 
Bill's Big Bag of Onions, a lovely compilation of lovely short stories written by some lovely friends of Cone Radio, and lovely music, introduced by the lovely Bill Lawrence, which all makes it a thoroughly lovely radio show. Bill's Big Bag of Onions, every week on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Rubbing the warm thighs of radio and squeezing the fat belly of chat. I'm Bill Lawrence. You're listening to our later evening conversation show, Red Button, live from Studio One, here in the heart, the belly of Wivenhoe at Colm Radio Towers. And my guest is David Nash. And David today is introducing us to things that will surely make our lives better. So we've, we've had the food, we've had the wine, and now we're going to have the entertainment. Yes, yeah, so we're going to sit back and read for this one. Um, and uh, I think I was, I think it's called doom scrolling one night and, and looking up old carry-on movies or, or, or something like that. But uh, I came across um, the curiously titled Carry-On Jaywick. And clicked on it, found out a little bit more about it. And Jaywick has actually, I'll tell you a bit more about the book in a minute, but Jaywick has always fascinated me as a place because it's got 
bad press and I think quite undeservedly because you know I've been there and there's you know strong communities there it's a pretty place um, and it is is a unique place I think of where the, where there is communities who you know still talk to each other and still mm. know each other and, and, and you know it's a tight community uh, isn't it absolutely it's not you know that you don't know your neighbours either side you do and, yeah. and that should be yeah. it should be celebrated and so so for those of our listeners because we have listeners all over the world including Tristan de Kuna, uh, for our listeners all over the world let's explain exactly where Jaywick is it's on the coast of North East Essex yeah so it was it, it, yes coast of North East Essex and, and the land comprised of salt marshes which uh, make it unsuitable for, for agriculture so it was actually purchased in 1928 by an entrepreneur called uh, Frank Stedman and, and he he had the, the, the remit to build low cost affordable holiday homes for working class people and it came um, actually out of the idea of, of Peace Haven in Sussex about getting people out of the slums in in London um, and and getting them out into into the air into the fresh countryside and and, and I suppose the first ideas of this of, of self sufficient communities mm. um, so so a great idea and, and he sold plots of land um, f- for to people made a lot of money real emphasis on well-being health and fitness and um he promised he would build a gym he would build health facilities he would build the kids playgrounds and uh lo and behold he just left when he had sold all the plots of land and made his money now that wouldn't happen nowadays because <laughs> builders do not just leave half-built play areas do they you know never seen that never, no. so it's quite an interesting story and, and then of course with the housing shortage after world war ii yeah. many many properties became um permanently inhabited yeah yeah. So this play is actually um, about life in Jaywick, and it's so true to what happens in terms of the communities there, because it was something called the verbatim play, which means the author, who is Dan Murphy, um, goes into the community, he records uh, people's conversations, and, and he turns that into a play. So it is the words of the communities of Jaywick, and it, it, it takes you through all, all the highs and lows of, of families of communities, the, day, mm. the, the, the family rows, the family celebrations. Mm. Um, and, it, sorry. So well, I'll just yeah. say, that also to give a bit of context to Jaywick, yeah. uh, it is perhaps fair to say that uh, an area of social deprivation, Yeah, um, it is uh, an area where employment is often difficult and yeah. poorly paid, yeah. and people that are living there are um, not advantaged. Yeah, and, and the play talks about that as well. I mean, it, it says in the blurb on the back, it's one of them places where you either make it or break it, and a lot of people have been breaking it around here. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a- absolutely, people have, have their struggles. Um, but as I said, what does shine through is, is that community and mm. that, that realness, you know, not this modern world of post on Facebook, everything's, yeah. everything's great, I'm living my best life. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the realness of life which yeah. is presented in the book. And of course, what's interesting is, is recording the words of, of the people who become the characters. And they're all saying, yeah. well, I wonder what, who's, who's going to play me on stage? And of course, we all wonder that, don't we? You know, who would play me? Would it be Tom Cruise? Um, so, so it's fascinating, the fact it, it is a play about real life and about real people and, and a real, real story and the play is called carry on jaywick so and, and that led me on to think you know if they if they remade i think the last carry on film was made about 15 years ago a bit of a flop probably but but actually you know that part of the world it's, it's i think it's in the tendering district isn't it which mm. of course dover court i think i'm right is where heidi high was set it was yeah um, That's in, yeah so it's so very nearby and of course the fact this started as a whole area wouldn't a modern day carry on movie wouldn't that area be mm, yeah. a great place yeah. to, to set it you yeah. know well um i'm not that old 60 years old and so 50 years ago i was holidaying parents living in uh, south essex northeast london and i was holidaying in jaywick with my parents in uh, and the holiday we stayed there for a week with me and my sister so and it was then seen to be 
quite a nice little holiday place, a bit like the holiday villages you would get maybe nowadays near Yarmouth, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. And of course, they've got their, um, oh, what are those towers called? The, Martello you know, Towers. Martello Towers. Um, they've got Martello Tower there. I think there's only about 15, 20 of them left, um, which was set up along along. Kent Coast, I think parts of Sussex yeah. and Essex, uh, to defend in case Napoleon um, invaded. But yeah, they got one of them in yeah. good condition, which you, you yeah. can go in. Yeah. Um, so, so there's real history. And I think it's well. really important that uh, a positive, the positive side of the Jay Wick story is shown. Yeah. Uh, about, I'm not sure, maybe five, ten years ago, uh, a rotten. A documentary, and I will use that word advisedly, but truly, a rotten documentary was made by uh, a national television station in this country about Jaywick, which set out to crucify the community there, and uh, unfortunately, it did um, did some lasting damage to the reputation of Jaywick, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it became uh, you know benefits by the sea, which referred to as, but you, you know that, that was it's television, isn't it? And, yeah, and. and, and and actually, it was, as you said, it was bad television yeah. because, you know, they set out to to get the story, to sensationalise it. Yeah. To, Their narrative you, was clear. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been there many a time and, and enjoy walking around there, yeah. particularly on, a, you know, this time of year by the coast with yeah. a beautiful beach. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's a, a great place with, with great stories to tell. Yeah, yeah. And well, and long may uh, the uh, Jaywick continue to flourish and uh, rebuild itself, uh, and and to uh, and to overcome uh, uh, disadvantages that it may face. So, a verbatim play I find is quite interesting. Um, I like the concept of a verbatim play, where it's yeah. real words, isn't it? The real words of the real people. Yeah, and it's clever to turn it into a play. Yeah. I think because the big rule is you, you cannot change the words of what is said to you Um, so uh, a complex process to record hours and hours of people telling their story uh, and in the process of telling those stories interacting with each other and you know the the, the writer to start to understand relationships to, to watch the arguments to watch the celebrations and to understand a community and then to turn that into a play. And, and you know, there's, there's lots of verbatim plays out, out there. And uh, it's, it's a clever, um, clever uh, way of writing a play, yeah. I, I yeah. think. And it's real. Which so, so, so just to finally, what's your favourite to uh, carry on? Uh, Constable or Dick? Well... You know, I, I suppose the, the image I'm thinking of at the moment is Barbara Windsor, and I think you, you know the image I'm thinking of. You know, because they are dated, aren't they? Yeah, really, yeah. they they have not aged well. And um, what I'm quite curious of is watching the modern one. It's obviously not. I think Russell Brand's in it, and it's obviously not that. Good. Oh, Columbus, that, Columbus, was, was it, it Columbus? Columbus? I don't, Might have been something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's nice not having Google sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> what is the last? Was the last Carry On mm. film? But it obviously wasn't a hit because they didn't reboot the series. No, no. Well, there you are, and that is uh, something that maybe should be allowed to be preserved in its own aspect, and and we and we watch it and enjoy it. Within the context of the 1960s and 1970s, when it was actually made, when uh, when life was possibly very different from it. Looked in the mirror, so many people standing there. I walked towards them into the floodlights. I heard no echo There was distortion everywhere I felt my ego I felt Roboto standing there Found my transcendence It played in mono painted blue
Big sack of conversation with dripping lumps of lovely chat. 
So you're listening to Box 39 Red Button, and uh, we're, we're here with our guest David Nash, who's introducing us to things that will make our lives better. So uh, you've told me to close my eyes and just listen, David, to your next uh, your next thing. So I'm not. Okay. I don't have no idea what it is. Off you go. Okay. So um, I want you all to think a bit of mindfulness here on Cone Radio. I'm just getting this going now. So stick with us. This is not your radio feeding back. This is not the mics feeding back. What's that, Bill? Time for time for lunch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I'm guessing that's some. That's that reminds me of uh, being in India. I heard that sound quite a lot in India. Yeah, so it's an it's an Indian prayer bowl, and I saw these. So it looks like uh, a, a mortar and pestle, um, yeah. pestle, and uh, you know you've got. Yes, yeah, so in your small. left in your left hand you've got a small bowl yeah. which is sitting in the palm of your hand That's right. like a very small breakfast bowl but uh-huh. it's made out of uh, silver or copper or bronze maybe bronze something like that it's decorated it's it's yeah. sort of um patterned and shiny and a very very nice very smooth around the top and in your right hand you're holding what you would say would look like a tiny truncheon yeah, absolutely. And I saw these out there, and, and they were in a posh shop, and uh, the guy did it for me, the demonstration, about 60, 70 quid, which is hundreds and hundreds of pounds in India. Then I saw them on a market the week afterwards. And still to this day, I just find it amazing that you, that, that you get the tiny truncheon and you rub it around the edge of the bowl, and you've got to keep your hand really, really flat, and just slowly but surely, it starts to make the sound. Now, the sound it's making is actually the the first word in Hindu belief, the most basic of human sounds, oh. which is um, um. um. It's a lovely and, sound. Yeah, and I just think it's um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's it, it's it's just unique, and still to this day, I've had it fifteen years. Um, yeah, my kids play it, and, and yeah. it's it, it's it's great. Um, Very peaceful, and, and, and it's probably the best bit of tourist tat I've bought because I do buy a lot of. Oh, isn't that great? And then you get it home, and and you never look at it again. And I think to take us away from that to the other end of the scale, Bill. I want you again to close your eyes. Okay. Okay, and okay. what is this? <laughs> well, I think you're rubbing something on something, and... Let's just do the baby one. Hold on. I've got two here. Do you know, my eyes closed. It sounds like there's a frog out in the garden. Well, you might not be too far from the truth. Right. This is, you can open them now, and you will have seen one of these. Oh. It's the Asian it's wooden the, frog. It's the wooden frog. And, and it just amazes me with these, because they're, they're essentially yeah. pretty naff, aren't they? And, yes. and, and even if you've never been to Asia in your life, you'll be familiar with the, the Asian wooden frog where you rub, yeah. rub the stick down, down its back. Yeah. But it, it, I think that they're associated most with Thailand, but I bought these in Taiwan, they're everywhere and and i just think is there somewhere in the world you know you buy them in the most remote places there on the stool in the middle of the rainforest but is there some big amazon warehouse which just mass produces (laughs) thousands and thousands of these frogs millions exactly across asia so that's yeah. my example of, of, of culture um, and tack. And in the other side of the road, there's the Asian store that's got the um, the cat with the, the head that shakes. That yeah, shaking. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're here in the windows, aren't they, of some places? Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's actually quite a beautiful object. I would say that's made of uh, a wood, hard wood. And it's got obviously the ridges down the back of the frog, yeah. and again you've got a sort of small uh, truncheon or a small little stick, uh, and which when you finish with that stick you slide in the frog's mouth. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a clever little bit of kit, really, isn't it? And uh, is it handmade? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's that, oh, who's that guy who presents that show? Uh, Greg someone. Um, how did they, how do they do that? Oh, in it's, the factory. Yeah, in the factory. Yeah. We need to send him along to... Greg Wallace. To, to Greg Wallace, that's yeah. it, yeah. And send him along to where these are made. <laughs> that would make a good episode. Or maybe it would destroy the illusion. That they're handmade. I think you might do. Well, while we're pondering on this and uh, we're looking at gorgeous little frogs, let's listen to the cocktail twins, cocktail, 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 cocktail twins, with their cherry coloured funk. The warm cheese of chat under the hot grill of chinwag. Well, welcome back. And that was the Cocteau Twins. And we're going to listen to David Nash, who's going to introduce us to the last thing tonight that's going to make our lives better. We've had the food, we've had the wine, we've had the entertainment of the, uh, the book of the play. And then we've listened to the sounds of, uh, of the Indian prayers. And finally, he's going to introduce us to a sort of uh, concept, more of a sort of a hobby. How would you describe it? Well, I don't know about you, Bill, but whenever I need um, a spanner, whenever I don't need a spanner, or whenever I don't need a screwdriver, I have about 300 of them. And then whenever you need one, you can't find them. And then you have kind of rusted t- toolbox after toolbox. You've had stuff for years and years, and, and you don't know what it does. But, yeah, I, I seem to forever be buying whatever I need for the next amateur DIY bodge project. And I know you can't have every single machine in, in it, but wouldn't it be good if you had more than a multi-tool Um just something which is just all in one it's all connected yeah. in one kind of box and, yeah. and and you could type in i need this and it pops 
X or Y out. I need sandpaper. Here's your, your yeah. sandpaper. I, I need a adjustable spanner. Press a button and it adjusts. And, okay, so, so uh, who, have you, are you trained in DIY? Are you an expert? Are you a professional? Are you, ec- uh, you know, are you learned in the art of DIY? Well, I've I've done a fair bit uh, in terms of I've built a fireplace. I've, I'm doing a patio at the moment and I've done uh, a a wall Um, but where I've gone most wrong is probably the use of expanding foam have you ever used expanding foam (laughs) Um, no it's it's just it's it's dangerous stuff because it just keeps keeps expanding (laughs) which which you think you know without reading the instructions but um i've got into various pickles with with just just growing you know can you put a shelf up uh i can uh but it, it will fall down usually they, they usually last a reasonable amount yeah, of time yeah. and then they do eventually tile a wall down. tile a wall i've never done tiling but i'm about to tile a pathway <laughs> um what about yourself i've done a patio i've done a few patios actually uh, uh there's a patio in Nor- norfolk norwich that i did I, I quite enjoyed that i did that about february time and uh, i kept having to get by more, more sacks of stone and sand i did a patio in colchester as well I, the, the the, the secret to making a patio is don't buy slabs that are so big you can't lift the things. Okay. You want smaller ones so you can wiggle them and wobble them and get them all all the right level. And because there's three different angles you've got to think about. You know, there's 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 that angle side to side. There's that angle back to front. And there's also like uh, you've got to get it level. So it's it's just quite a concept. You want to put it on good sand and you want to be able to rock and wiggle that patio slab. So if you if you get a huge one, the size that they have in say pavements, it's too heavy to be able right. to wiggle. But you have to get a, an angle on it as well, don't you? So the rain runs away from the house, and that's what I don't. Yeah, get. you've got to get yeah. a fall to somewhere. Yeah, yeah but, yeah, but it needs to be ever so, ever so, subtle. ever so subtle, ever so subtle. So I've done patios, I've uh, I've done tiling, I've tiled a couple of bathrooms. There's a bathroom in Norwich and two bathrooms in Colchester that I've tiled. Oh, I've only ever gone for white tiles, right. floor to ceiling, and I've done a kitchen tiling where I, I did a sort of pattern, um, but. The pattern was my own particular style of pattern, which we would probably say it's so random in its design that there's no pattern there. But, you know, in my mind there was. Anyway, I've done a floor tiling in a kitchen. Right, right. Uh, I remember doing that, watching the first ever episode of... I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. So that was quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I've uh, I've I've done uh, fitted a kitchen, all those sort of uh, what are they called cupboards. Those are those things. Units. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, But the hardest thing about those was not getting the carcasses in. The hardest thing was the wall was never straight behind it. It was sort of bowed out and it was old houses. And I had to do things like shave bits of the back of the cabinets off. And uh, it was not great. I did skirting boards once where you have to cut the, the end of them at an angle. Yes. Uh, with a, what's that big saw called? You saw. Oh, a chop saw. Chop saw. Jeez, I mean, yeah. they're scary things. They take aren't your they? fingers off. Yeah, and and uh, I don't, and I kept, I couldn't get them to match up. No. I did it in the, you know, I was doing it exactly right. I even read, uh, well, watched a, a YouTube video on it. Yeah. But they were scary things. The, the 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 last week and a bit, I've been chopping up the old patio using a chopper upper. Thing yeah. uh, that probably wouldn't work on an old. Mo- it's a strange thing because it's quite a beast of a machine, right? Uh, and you know when you're using it that that um, everyone around you hates you yeah. because of the noise it's yeah. making, yeah. and yet you are scared of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine that being your job all, all, all yeah, the time. Terrible. You know, it's, it's, and and then you you finish doing it and realise you haven't put your ear defenders in so you have that ringing noise in your ear all night like when you come out of a nightclub and you have a kind of continued vibration going through your body Um, one of the best machines I've ever hired was a uh, very satisfying machine because you've got instant instant instantly you saw the results of your work and that was a machine I've borrowed many times actually where you take 
uh, a little bit of your floorboards off and produce the lovely Gordon floorboards underneath. It's a sander. Oh, so yeah, you, yeah. you do have to hold it down. It's like holding a bit of a, a wild horse down. Yeah. But uh, and you have to make sure that it's got the bag to collect the dust, otherwise you're in trouble. Well, I've used a sander as well, <laughs> and uh, and as you said, it gets a kind of mind of its own, and it, it, it took me off, and and as it took me for a walk across the floorboards, the bag came off, and it kind of was like a snow globe. <laughs> yeah. Just like my house inside it, yeah, being absolutely sprayed with yeah. sawdust yeah. everywhere. You know. Oh. Oh. Well, let's hope this this amateur DIY all-in-one tool is found, and if not, if it doesn't exist that someone's listening tonight and uh, is going to invent one yeah great one it's just time for me okay to give you my choice so, as you've been so kind to bring your choices into the studio uh, i want to present to you david green tea and in particular green tea that you can now find in traditional greasy spoon cafes really yeah. That's kind of wrong, really, isn't it? Well, the tea, green tea flavours now are not just your traditional green tea. I would recommend a flavour called Little Buddha. And it's a China green tea. It's got licorice, sandalwood, red right. pepper, okay. chamomile, papaya and pineapple. And it is wonderful. So good was it. And I had it in a little greasy spoon cafe in Colchester right. that I went online and bought a sack full of it. And uh, I've been I've been working from home recently and I've been drinking this green tea uh, every morning and it just made me feel good. Is it good? It's very good for your health. They say it's one of the healthiest beverages on the planet. It, uh, it supports cognition. Uh, it offers some protection against cancer, which had me sold on it. And it may slow the brain from aging. Wow. I, I, I looked at some pucker teas and the pucker teas. Is that, am I right? Pucker teas? Yeah. Oh, kind of fruit-based teas. They work. I was at the Eden Project at uh, Easter and they work with the Eden Project about sustainable teas. And I'll try some lovely, lovely... There are some lovely teas. About. Yeah, absolutely. There so. are some lovely teas. I do like green tea. I mean, it looks just like black tea, but it's green. But this particular one's got all little, little bits in it and the smell of it. Yeah, but, I mean, Ooh. should it be served in a greasy spoon? It shouldn't. <laughs> you know, eating all that fried food. It's so, then... it's so wrong, but it's right. You no. know, it's one of those ones. It's, it's wrong. so wrong that it's, it's just wrong. wrong. Anyway, David, thank you so much for bringing in your choices. No problem. It's unlivable, and uh, we're going to leave with just a wonderful piece of music, my choice of music here, and this is uh, the wonderful uh, Joe Cocker, and you are so beautiful. You are so beautiful to me you are so Button is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 